This is the Horse Radio Network. Well, hello, everybody. Well, thank you for joining us tonight for the Stable Scoop Roundtable. I'm just giving a second or two for people to pop in here on the live feed. And uh, we're so happy to have you here tonight. Post in the comments uh, your name and where you're from. We would love to know where you're from. And also, you can comment all night long in the comments, and our panelists will be able to see your comments tonight. We can answer any questions. Or if you want to, you know, just pitch into the conversation, you can do that as well. This is episode 523 of the Stable Scoop Show on the Horse Radio Network. It is the Equestrian Roundtable Show in coordination with American Horse Publications. Our sponsor of this episode is Purina Equine Senior. I am Glenn Geek, founder of the Horse Radio Network and host of Horses in the Morning, the longest-running daily horse podcast in the world. We have a lot of fun topics for you tonight and uh, a lot of really good panelists, and I'm very excited about that. But I wanted to let everybody know that we do have a brand new partnership that we're announcing tonight, and I'm very excited about this. Let me uh, get this banner up there for you. We now have a media partnership with American Horse Publications. American Horse Publications is the Association of Equine Journalists, and HRN has been a proud member for many, many years. We have had many AHP members on the show, and they were such terrific guests that I went to Chris over there at AHP, and I said, why don't we work together on this? You guys are great guests. They're all journalists. They know the topics in the horse world. So why don't we have a couple of your members, AHP members, on the Stable Scoop Roundtable every two weeks, and we'll also have one listener, one of our listeners over on the Horse Radio Network. And she thought that was a great idea, so we've started this media partnership with AHP, and we'll talk a little bit more about that. So we have two HP members tonight that are going to join us. And we also have one of our terrific listeners is going to be on here as well. So let's introduce our panelists. Uh, first, I am your host and moderator. So I will be, you know, I have opinions, as most of you know that listen to our shows. Uh, but I try and keep them to myself as much as possible and let the panelists do the talking. Uh, again, if you are watching live, welcome. Please post uh, your name and where you're from, and feel free to comment. We have Central Iowa. Oh, that must be a relative of uh, alleys out there in the West. Um, and then we also are have Donna from Connecticut, and uh, we would love to know where you're from, so post in the comments. Let's meet our panelists for tonight on the show. We have AHP member, founder and CEO of Yellow Barn Media, Jamie Samples. Hi, Jamie. Hi there. Thanks for having me. And it's appropriate that you have yellow behind you. That's appropriate. Yes. I just noticed that, actually. <laughs> good job. Good job. Jamie, we've known each other for a long time. I don't think we've ever met. In, have we met in person? It's really funny. I don't think we actually have because I've been to a bunch of AHP seminars, but I don't know that we've ever like hugged or elbow bumped yeah. or anything. Um, and I've been on the show, but that was like probably like I don't know, eight or 10 years ago or something. It's been a while. So I don't know. Well, welcome back. The same. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. <laughs> it wasn't intentional. <laughs> oh, well, not on. I was probably talking to too many people just all over the place and never like made it over to that side of the room. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's good to have you on here tonight. Really appreciate it. How long have you been an AHP member as well? I want to say roughly 10 years, I think. 
wow. uh, okay. nine or 10 years. So it, it's been a while. And I, I remember like my very first event and how impactful it was and how wonderful AHP has been for me. So it's, um, it's, it's been wonderful through the years and getting to meet the people and the industry and the organization as a whole is just fantastic. Great. Terrific. Well, we're going to go to our listener slash auditor next. Auditors are, are like our super fans. Uh, they have their own little room, and, and there's about 500 of them for the Horse Radio Network. And her name is Allie. Hi, Allie. Hi. Thank you for joining us tonight. Now, what part of the country are you in? I'm in Utah. Utah. So what do you do out there in Utah? I work at a a uh, large animal hospital. Actually, do we just transition to being only equines um, in Saratoga Springs, Utah? And what do you do there? Um, during the summer, I uh, work with uh, managing the reproduction center. And then uh, while the repro season is over, I do like receptionist billing tech stuff. Just kind of, they just kind of throw me somewhere and I stay there. <laughs> <laughs> That's usually what happens at an equine center, from what I hear. So thank you for joining us. How long have you been listening to shows on HRN? Uh, about two years. Okay, cool. And uh, I know you listen to this next person's show, because I'm going to introduce another one of our panelists, who I got to spend an entire weekend with. We may or may not have an al- have had an alcoholic beverage or two while we were together in Texas. And that's Mandy from the Lead Line Podcast. Hi, Mandy. Hey, Glenn. <laughs> we, we had a good time. I was so, it was just like Jamie. I had known you for 10 or 12 years and never met you. Yeah, I, I can't believe we went that long without meeting. It's crazy. And you're an AHP member, but you're fairly new, aren't you? Well, no, new and old. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of a two-part answer. This is officially my first year of being an AHP member, but I actually attended the conference in 2011 because they had invited me to come in as a speaker. But I never actually joined because I kind of left the horse world briefly thereafter for a period of time. So I never ended up joining, but I attended. And then this year I finally came back and I decided to become a member. Well, good. I'm glad you did because it was a lot of fun. We had a good time in Texas. Of course, Mandy, the Lead Line podcast is part of the Horse Radio Network, and we'll talk a little bit more about that later on in the show as well. But first, I have to talk. I have to do this. Well, wait a minute. Let me get this up because it's very important. Happy birthday, happy birthday, happy, happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, Mandy. Thank you. I, you know, I really should have come with some props, but I was not prepared for today. So I, I should have come with like, uh, like a birthday hat or balloons or something. And that would have been fun. But I looked for one of those things you blow on New Year's Eve, but I couldn't find it. I <laughs> So that's the best I could do was the sound effect. So I'll take it. (laughs) All right. Let's hear from our uh, title sponsor for this episode. And then we're going to get right into our first question. I believe it's going to be Mandy's. Do you have an older horse that's trying to age gracefully? Trust the future with your old friend to the number one equine vet recommended senior feed. Purina Equine Senior and Senior Active Horse Feeds are backed by unparalleled research to support the unique needs of horses as they age. Both patented feeds include active age prebiotic technology to support immune function, mobility, and appropriate metabolic response in aging horses. Plus, now with the Outlast supplement built in, they also support your horse's gastric health and comfort. 
Purina Animal Nutrition. They're years ahead in senior research, so you can have more good years with your horse. Put their research to the test at horseinnovation.com. That's horseinnovation.com. And we thank Purina for sponsoring this episode. So what we do here is each of the panelists comes up with their own questions. So the questions can be, you know, completely different from each other. There's no themes to these episodes because I like it that way. I don't get bored that way. So we're talking about something else. We'll talk for about 10 or 12 minutes about each one, and then we move on. So uh, each of you came up with your questions. Mandy, we're starting with what you wanted to discuss tonight. Yes. So I wanted to chat about the frustrating situation of everything being on back order lately. (laughs) And this is a kind of a fresh little um, pain point for me because I had to order a saddle this year. Um, It turned out the previous saddle that I had purchased did not fit my horse. So I did some shopping. I knew what I was looking for. And I went to my local tack shop and ordered it. So that was back in May and the saddle just showed up. I will say it came in a little bit early, but it just came in um, like a week and a half, two weeks ago, but it was originally not scheduled to come in until November. And so just like that was one example, but I know from talking with a lot of people lately that that is a pretty commonplace scenario um, across the board in multiple industries, really. Can I just say that this we're going to qualify the rest of this conversation by saying this is an equestrian first world problem that we're talking about here. <laughs> I mean, let's just let's be honest, but uh, we have to bring that up. So what I did, Mandy, is I went into the equine retailers uh, Facebook page. They have a Facebook page that I'm a member of, and I asked them, "What are we going to be looking at shortages of?" So, you know, everybody out there that's listening right now is thinking about buying something over the next six months, maybe before Christmas, maybe for the winter or whatever. And this is the answer I got. This kind of rounds up uh, or rounds out some of the answers. Uh, this is from a retailer. Most of the footwear coming in now was ordered eight months to a year ago. And I know that Ariat was running really behind on their footwear mm-hmm. orders. Clothing is impossible. And most of our fall and winter apparel is running three weeks to six weeks late, some more. It'll be here in the spring. Uh, tack is not as bad. You can find alternative items and keep stock. Blankets will be bad if you didn't plan ahead. So that means if the retailer didn't plan ahead. I also think, my personal opinion, that if you want a blanket, I would go out and buy it soon. I wouldn't wait till January to buy a blanket. Because normally, in an, I used to work in retail, so I know how this works. We would plan for enough blankets to get us into January. And then we would plan on reordering in January. Well, if a retailer did the same kind of plan this year, they're going to be out. They're going to be out by January, and there won't be a reorder. So if you're planning on buying a blanket, I would go out and do it now. You know, I think we're, it's going to be interesting come Christmas time, too, with what's available and what's not. And I think that's across the board, not just the horse world. Allie, what about you? You work. Are you seeing shortages in the bet side? Yeah, definitely. Um, we have actually a whiteboard that is now dedicated in our pharmacy to everything we don't have. Um, so it's everything from like needles and syringes. We only can give out so much at a time. Um, we had butte, just like butte pills were on back order for like four months. Um, we finally just got some. I think we're planning a back order for euthanasia for the foreseeable future. I don't think we even know when that's going to come back in. Um, penicillin. Okay, and like that's other a tough stuff one like to that. run out it's of, crazy. by yeah, the way. It's, yeah. uh, you have to start making your own, which is kind of crazy. So, 
it's not not the best. <laughs> well, so what uh, what do you do when you run out of needles? <laughs> that's, a t- you, that's another tough one. <laughs> you order people needles, actually. Um, we have like these, we normally have metal like cased needles, I guess. Um, and right now we're using plastic right right now because the metal is just so hard to, to find and they're on back order. So we have to have so many on stock or in stock at the clinic at a time. So I think we just have a bunch of plastic ones that no one likes to use. <laughs> <laughs> and Pete, uh, if you're uh, watching live, uh, make a comment. Is there something that you've tried to get recently that was on back order? Jamie, have you had any issues with? Um, not personally, but a lot of my clients, most of my clients are retail. So oh. yeah, they, they're all seeing shortages. Um, I typically go every year. It's super fun. Um, I go with one of my clients to, um, and why did it just go out of my Lisa? mind? I go to, Yes, Lisa? thank you. Yep, yep. Yes, uh, I go to I go to Dallas and it's wonderful and I get to shop with them, which is great. So we know like what's coming in, when it's coming in, but obviously this year it's been a challenge. The only thing positive that I can say about it for the particular store that I'm talking about is we have literally taken the last like six months to kind of train our customers to let them know, like if we get six of these shirts or if we get a full run of these jeans or these boots, if they're in the store and you want them, you really need to come get them that day. They're selling out within the week. So they have actually, through all of this, almost doubled their weekly income. But the only bad thing, well, there's a lot of bad things, but we are not able to plan ahead like we normally would do with social media. Like we have these items coming in you know, this month, so we'll plan ahead with scheduling. Now it's like when they get a box, they send me pictures and they're like, do your thing. And those things, whatever they are, are gone like within the week. So personally, I don't need a lot right now. I haven't been ordering a lot, but the retailers that I work with, I know they're struggling and we're just trying to get really creative with the things we do have and utilize social media and do creative things to keep people engaged and um, still excited to do business with that retailer. What do you, are, what are they thinking about Christmas? What how are they is it going to be a tough one? I think I think the one particular one that I'm talking about locally here to me, I think they're going to be okay. Um they have also started working with some smaller wholesalers that already have X amount of items where they're going and just getting small batches of things from a lot smaller of a company. Um and obviously everyone, Yali, you're right. I think everyone is feeling it somewhere. Um, so I think with Christmas, they're really not sure. They're just kind of like, let's just see what we get, you know, in November. And then we'll know how much, you know, right now they're telling me, they're like, we're going to do our regular marketing strategy, our regular sales, but they're not doing anything over and above because they're not having any trouble selling anything, which is a good thing. But, you know, they don't know what they're going to get exactly. You got to wonder what the big box stores are going to do for Black Friday, because I am hearing the same thing from the tech side, that tech, you know, chip shortage has caused a lot of the tech items to be backordered, too, or completely sold out. And they're saying, if you're going to get a tech item for somebody for Christmas, you better buy it now, or you're not going to get it. So, I mean, are they going to... charger for, like, two years. (laughs) (laughs) So, it's, you know, it's tough. I mean, I wonder what's going to happen. I wonder if there's going to be the big sales or, or not. You know, I don't know. It's going to be an interesting Christmas, probably one of the most interesting ones we've seen in a long time. And having been in retail, mm-hmm. even in the horse side, uh, retail at Christmas, is, is it saves you or not. I mean, it's still something we all look forward to uh, on the retail side. The Mandy, other any? trend I've noticed, Glenn, is that 
this is both, again, in the equine industry and also in others, but some of these retailers are posting things online as if they're available and they're still, you know, taking leads and you can check out and purchase things. Like I looked for the same exact saddle that I purchased locally through an online retailer that I had previously ordered from. And I could go through the entire checkout process and customize the saddle exactly as I wanted it and go through the the checkout. But then when I called, they were like, oh yeah, that's on back order until like sometime next year. So it's being listed and you think it's available because it doesn't say it's out of stock. And it's uh, it's been interesting. It's kind of a deceptive way of marketing. But I've seen that also. I, I heard that that's happening quite a bit, even with like car dealerships where they're listing things as if they're available, but you can't get them for mm-hmm. six months to a year. Yeah, I noticed that too. There's a new model of a car or pickup truck that I might have been looking at, and they're all listing it as there, but there's none there. You know, they're they're exactly. on order, but they're kind of you know it's it is kind of a little bit deceptive that way. Uh, and you know, we're not the only industry seeing this. Obviously, cars and electronics, and you know, you can't buy an RV right now; they're on order for two years. Mm-hmm. So uh, now this. This is all going to change. You know, this doesn't last forever. It never does. Everything's cyclical. So we're going to see this change over a period of time. And then we're going to be, then stores will be wishing that they had this problem again. So, (laughs) you know, everything's a cycle. All right, let's go to our second question. And Allie, you add this one. Tell us about your question. Yeah, for sure. Um, So I wanted to talk about... um, kind of giving some advice to young equestrians uh, coming into adulthood and where they can kind of look for future professions, I guess. Um, A lot of the people that I've been around, whether it's just like as amateurs or at barns or whatever, they're just, all they know is they want to graduate high school and just want to work with horses and they don't know where to go with that. Um, Especially when they're growing up as like a competitive teen graduating from junior rider status and they just don't know like is my only options rider trainer or barn manager or do I actually just get like a normal human job and then use that to support my horse or like what else is there even out there for me to do and there's definitely a lot more now than there was when I was a kid (laughs) and having that same questions it was like well that's really all you can do is rider trainer or barn manager but um I just wanted to kind of talk about what you guys think about options for graduating young riders Sounds like this is something growing up that you were thinking about, obviously. Yes, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> now, you kind of are working. I mean, you kind of are working with horses, right, every day. Yeah. Um, did you think that this was a path you were going to take, or this is where you ended up? Yeah, definitely. Um, I started my first year of college as a music major, um, but then I realized I wanted to go back to horses, so I started my equine degree and everything. Uh, I only started working here at the vet clinic this year, um, and so that's been like finally a, an actual paying horse job exists. <laughs> um, but before that, I've been like a barn manager and um, just kind of stable hand for probably since I was 14. And, dude, you know, you can't really support yourself on that. Um, for, and I'm sure a lot of trainers and like professional riders agree that's really hard to get into. So it's it's hard to figure out how to support yourself and still have horse job that you want. Guys, anybody? Well, I'll hop in and say that I, growing up, I wanted to be a jockey. Everyone was like, you're so little, you should be a jockey. I I don't know why. That was like something I thought I should do. Um, I rode my whole life, clearly not a jockey. The one thing that I've learned about, and I think this goes for really any industry, whether it's equine or anything else, 
I feel like when you're a young, young person, you're just like, I just want to do like this one thing. Like you were saying, Allie, like maybe it's just a horse trainer or, you know, I can give lessons or like, it's really, you have a really small vision of what you can do. I think the better thing, like the better question is, what do I innately love to do? What am I good at? What are my skills? And then how can I apply that in the horse world? Because the horse world, we have tech. We have, uh, you know, obviously vet, vet, you know, the other thing is a lot of people say, well, I want to work with horses, so I'll be a vet. Um, I think a lot of people just forget that there are so, our whole industry is massive. I mean, do you want to be a podcaster, right? Do you want to be a social media manager, a content creator? Like there's all of these things. So I think it really boils down to, yes, of course, if you want to actually work hands-on with horses, there's massage therapists. I mean, the list is massive when you really start looking at the industry. So I think the important question is just, what are you awesome at? What are you really good at? Whether you want to go to college for that, or you want to do hands-on and how can you do that in the horse industry? So I think some people accidentally years later, like myself fall into working in the horse industry. I had a really human job for just a regular person job for years. And even when I started my agency, I started working with everyone. And then I talked to a business coach and he was like, what do you love? Like really love and know a lot about. And I said, well, horse industry or the dog industry. He's like, okay, well do your homework and figure out where you want to niche down. And I did. So I, I think there's so much to offer in the industry. It's just a matter of looking and figuring out what that person wants to do. You know, you'd yeah, be making more money if you'd went to the dogs, right? You, you realize that. <laughs> Possibly, yes. I don't know. I mean, some, there's just a lot more of them. <laughs> Mandy? Yes. Yeah, I completely agree with what Jamie just said. And that was a thought that I had too is, you know, it's not just, you know, being a stable hand or a barn manager. It's what other skill sets do you have that you can bring to the table? And how does that interact with the horse industry? What kind of roles can you go into from there? And uh, like my story, I started out really young. You know this, Glenn. I started doing stuff when I was really young. She was and like everyone six. Was... <laughs> More like 17. But... <laughs> <laughs> but everyone was coming to me when I was graduating high school. And they said, well, you know, where are you going to go to college? What do you want to do? Well, first and foremost, that is a really overwhelming question to someone that's like fresh out of high school. And a lot of times we don't know 100% what career path we want to take. Some people are very decisive about that at a young age. But for me, I was witnessing a lot of friends going to college that were a few years ahead of me, and they were getting out of school and then not using that degree at all. And to me, I was like, I don't want to waste money until I know what I want to do. So I waited ended up going into the events industry for a while. And now I've kind of come back to the horse world, but I've been able to combine those two skill sets, you know, both the equestrian side and the business marketing event side. So that's been really nice. But yeah, you don't necessarily know what you want to do straight out of the gate. So don't expect us at like 17, 18 to have all the answers. That's what I want to say to some of these adults that are hammering the teenagers right now. <laughs> I started Horse Radio Network when I was 48. I mean, you know, after having worked in retail for a long time. So uh, Jane just said here, she said, I met someone mm -hmm. who, who is doing all the landscaping at major hunter-jumper shows, flowers, containers, and horses. Who knew? I, I think that brings up a good point. I think right now, look at the th Mandy, Jamie, and I. We created our own jobs. I mean, we have more mm -hmm. opportunity right now, I think, than we ever had in the past to really create your own job.
to create your mm-hmm. own space in the horse world like we never had before. Now, Which is takes- really needed in some places too, definitely. Yeah, but it's harder too because you're going to be broke for a while. <laughs> yeah, yes. Yeah. <laughs> now, if you're married and, you know, I'm just going to say this. If you're married and your spouse has some sort of income, it certainly helps, mm-hmm. right? Um, yes. You know, it definitely helps. Uh, but if you're on your own trying to do this, it's going to be tough for a while. When you're starting your own gig and doing your own thing, just like the person who does the landscaping. They didn't start that making tons of money. They did one show, probably, or they probably did a thousand shows that didn't pay them anything just to develop yeah. your reputation so they could finally get paid. But we do have opportunity more now than we ever had in the past, don't you think? Yes. And I like I I get stoked talking about this kind of stuff because I was that person. Everyone was like, are you going to go to college? I moved to Kentucky, but I didn't want to spend a ton of money either. And I was like, I went down there and I started working at a harness racing farm. I knew nothing about harness racing, but I loved horses. So I did it. And then short version, I moved home. And I think it is so important. So I worked my regular job for probably six years before I ended up breaking free because, you know, all when you want to hustle and you want to get it done and all you want to do is work your passion, that's awesome. But you don't want to be broke. So like get a plan, get your business plan, like start working the plan. And the other thing that I would mention that is invaluable, if you think you're like, maybe I want to do the landscaping, maybe I want to do something like that. Do like a ride along with someone do a day in the life of because it's not always as glamorous as you might think it is you know, look at the veterinary, like what vets are going through. And there's just so many sides of every profession. Like, is that really what you want for the rest of your life? Because sometimes it's not all the pretty things, you know, and sometimes it is awesome and amazing. But you know, look for a mentor and really start working with someone that can tell you like the real deal. Like this is the great, these are the great parts of what I do. But these are the things that are sometimes a challenge. Allie, anything else? Uh, no, I think that's pretty spot on. Um, I think every time someone asks the clinic, like, what made you want to become a vet to our vets? There's like, uh, well, if you're thinking about it, try shadowing one first just to make sure. Cause like, it's, it's a lot of school to go through to realize that this isn't the job for you. And we just have a crazy shortage of vets too. Like I don't know if vets are on back order, but yes. <laughs> like, yes. it's, it's kind of, I don't know. I, I it might be feeling like it hits harder out here in like the Western United States. Cause I'm sure in Ocala area in Kentucky, like every other person is a vet, like your neighbor sells horse insurance. But out here, like we have, we have like four stables and one horse insurer for the entire Western United States and like four vets for the, st- the whole County. And like, it gets a little tough to, to put the big kid glasses on and figure out like, what can I even do out here? Well, I think the vet thing, I think, too, large, everybody's going to be small animal vets because they don't have to be on mm-hmm. call at midnight and running out to farms all night long. I think that's a real deterrent for large animal, don't you? Oh, yeah. We have, um, so our practice has, I think, six or seven vets, and we still have people that'll be on call for three days in a row because someone is on vacation or someone else is uh, just out, and it's 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 hard. And I think... I don't remember where I heard that there's only 1% of vets right now going into large animal and it's definitely felt for sure. Like we, um, we are the only surgical center within like a state and a half, I think. Um, and so we just have so many people that's like, you're the only six vets I can see. And I live five hours away. It's, Mm. it can be 
yeah, it could be tough to to figure that out. It, it's hard too because people think the vets make a ton of money when they come right out of school, and it's nothing. <laughs> I mean, for everything you've spent for the last eight years, it's nothing. Yeah, that's uh, I that was what deterred me from going to vet school. <laughs> <laughs> well, Allie, and another, I, yeah, go ahead. Jane. Oh no, I was just gonna say another thing to think about too is look at the statistics, like what Allie just mentioned. If you are looking to go into a profession, look at the statistics. You know, I mentioned talk with a mentor and stuff, but those statistics of, okay, if I get out of vet school, I could probably easily get a job if I move to the West Coast, but with these five states, you know, I think that's all just part of planning. And it is hard when you're like 18, 19, 20, and you're like, I got to plan the rest of my life. But, you know, look at all of the things that we have all just mentioned before really just like making a decision and taking a dive. I saw a stat the other day that 72% of the people when they reach age 40 are not doing what they went to college for. Not shocking. I'm not. (laughs) And who knows? They might even still be paying their student loans. (laughs) (laughs) It could be. And we're not saying don't go to college. That's not what we're saying here. But there are horse jobs that you don't need that for. So look. All right, well, let's uh, let's head over to our final question. And before we do that, I want to talk a little bit about you guys first. So, Jamie, we'll start with you. Yellow Barn Media, what do you do? Uh, we do, well, a lot of things, but basically equestrian marketing for small businesses. And so we do uh, a lot of done-for-you content creation. I do VIP intensive days when someone is looking to get everything done in one day. Um, we do business coaching, so it's, it's actually evolved in the last 15 years, but really we love equestrian businesses. I love working with people that are in that space and helping them to reach their ideal client. And, uh, she wears 10 gallon hats because she's short and wants to look taller. That's why that is right there. <laughs> you look good in every, a 10 gallon hat. Well, everyone picks on me and says, my hats are too big. Everyone. <laughs> and I'm like, you know what though? I love them and I feel good in them and I don't care if they're in style. Like I love them. So I think I know. have almost that exact same hat we saw in the picture. So <laughs> some the same way I'm with you. And then here's Miss Stylish over here. Uh, Mandy. So <laughs> Mandy, tell us about your show. Yeah, so the Leadline podcast started in March of this year, so it's been out for a little over six months. It's a podcast for equestrian entrepreneurs and business owners, and we talk about all sorts of business topics. I love diving into the story of how successful businesses started and the people behind them. So we really uncover a lot of that and dive into some business strategy, marketing tips, financial advice, all of that good stuff. Very cool. And you can, it's the leadlinepodcast.com or on any of your podcast players, just search for the Leadline Podcast. Allie, I, you mentioned before we started that you, you like Mandy's show. Yes, very much. <laughs> cool. Allie, I did some digging on you because we couldn't talk about your business. So I found these pictures. Oh, um, dear. <laughs> <laughs> so one, apparently, the one's not me, but it's. It's I'm not? I'm not. I'm the arm in the picture. Oh, it was hard to tell in that picture. So obviously, tell us about the pictures. Um, so my first year of school was as a percussion major, actually. Um, I uh, was doing music my whole life. And so I did that in high school and then into my first year of school um, in Colorado. Uh, and then I had my third of five car accidents and couldn't can't play very much anymore. Wow. Um, so I, uh, transitioned over to back to horse life after missing it for the year that I was in full-time school and started 
doing that instead. Were you Again. all kinds of percussion, drums and the whole thing? or uh, Mostly just the keyboard instruments you can see in those pictures. Um, that's my marimba. That, that was what I was mostly playing, but I had to had to learn drums in my first year. It was, it was a little rough. <laughs> <laughs> and the left picture there is your supermodel years? Is it? Oh, gosh, no. <laughs> oh, man, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's cool. Uh, you know, I love finding out what, what our listeners do as a sideline, as a hobby, you know, because it's so cool to, you know... And the band kids always seem to be having more fun than the rest of us for some reason. Well, I always I met my husband in band, so we have to... Uh, my parents <laughs> met in band. So same thing. What happened in those buses, those band buses? I always wondered about that. No, we're not talking about... <laughs> not allowed to say that. That's a that's secret. <laughs> that's funny. All right, Jamie, you're up. What was your topic for tonight? Okay, I love talking about business tools. So I just wanted to share, I'm just going to throw out three tools that I love. So any business, if you're an equine or, or otherwise, these are these have been instrumental for me. And it was hard to just pick three, but I know we're on a time limit. So um, I wanted, and some of these you may have not heard of, and that's okay. Um, but the others are, are fairly, fairly common. So one of my very first um, apps that I love that has literally changed my business is called Voxer. It's V-O-X-E-R. And it's essentially like a walkie-talkie app. And so you can you can leave messages. It's basically just voice messages back and forth, but I use it with my clients and it has made everything so streamlined. It's a free app. I use like the $5 version because, you know, I use it all the time. And so that it's something, it seems so simple, but I started using it with my clients and it has saved so much time. It's really good for collaboration. So have, have either of you, any of you heard of it? I I've have heard not. of it. Mm. I don't use it though. Mm. I have WhatsApp. How does it compare to WhatsApp? I don't you know? use WhatsApp. It, it's basically, so WhatsApp is, are you typing out messages or Julie, can you leave voice messages too for WhatsApp? You can do both. On okay. WhatsApp. So I don't know exactly how it compares, but here's why I like it. It can record 15 minutes without me having to hold a button, which I like. And you can also listen to someone leaving you a message on like four speed. So when I leave messages with tons of details, and so I use it for my family and my business, but it's really nice because people can listen to me on fast speed and get through all the, just the stuff and get to the good stuff at the end, basically. But I was I thinking just, that'd be more pertinent for the relatives when they call and just drone <laughs> on and on and on and on in the messages. Well, it's been so good for collaboration because when like when I bring on a new client, you know, for them and for me, we don't want to just keep getting on the phone like for a couple little things like, hey, I need you to send me this or and of course, email works. But I'm a verbal processor and I have noticed most of my clients have the same style of communication. So we'll just bounce back and forth and we can accomplish something in 10 or 15 minutes that would have maybe taken like a half a day on email. So that's cool. That's, that's been something that I love. Do you guys have anything that you use? You mentioned WhatsApp, Mandy. Do you guys have anything else that you guys love as far as like, I have communication? One that's, that's a little, it's, you just send short video. It's Marco Polo. Oh, uh-huh. and, yes. yeah. We and you just send too. little videos to each other. Yeah. I just have a couple of friends I do it with. I don't use it for business. I just don't put on makeup every day, so I don't like doing videos. <laughs> I'm just not going to lie. Um, so you use this instead no. of email and like texting, just that this is like your only like communication. 
Well, it's not my only, but it's essentially my primary. So once I bring someone new on, you know, I'll send them obviously everything via email, like what I need from them. But once we start collaborating and it helps me to get to know them better. And it's also been, I will tell you, um, I hate to even bring up the word, but in the last year, you know how everything's been kind of how it has been, right? Challenging for people. And it's been hard to kind of connect with people. Voxer is something that I can just do click the button when I'm driving and connect with a friend and I don't have to be distracted and actually be talking to them on the phone or holding it. We'll just leave messages back and forth. And honestly, it's been something that's been encouraging to me because I connect with people all the time on it now versus before I'm like, I don't really want to pick up the phone and call someone. I just want to leave a quick message. So personally and professionally, that's been amazing. So if you have, if you want to check out Voxer, I highly recommend it. Um, the other two are a little more professional. I I'm going to, put these two together as one because I really want to share four. So <laughs> um, I love using Canva and later. So you guys have you y'all yeah, explain the- what Canva is I to love everybody. Mm-hmm. So I was never a designer. I didn't do design work. I didn't go to school for that. Um, I don't use all of the other platforms. Canva is basically a I mean, I'm just going to say what I feel it is. It's like design for dummies. They have templates. And so if you want to create social media posts and you're like, Jamie, I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to design anything. They make it super easy. You can go in, you can add your brand colors. You can tell it, I want it Instagram size or Facebook size or Pinterest size. So it's really, it's very, very user-friendly. And as I mentioned, you can upload your fonts for your brand, your colors, your logo. And the other thing that's really cool too, obviously Canva has tons of templates but you can also go into other places and buy sets of templates for like 20 bucks. So it really makes design. If you're just like, I don't have a lot of time. I'm not a designer and I don't have maybe the money to hire someone right now. I just need to go in and create some graphics for social media. Canva is an absolutely wonderful platform. Um, And later is actually a scheduler. I know there's a whole like controversy about like, should you schedule posts or should you put them live on Facebook? However, what I found is however you schedule them, get them posted. Consistency is the best. But later has been, I have tested out probably 15 to 20 different schedulers and later has been my favorite. So it's, it just allows you to do a lot of, a lot of things. So man, did you use a scheduler at all? I use both um, Canva and Later. I actually had some posts oh, go up okay. on Instagram today through Later. And I do that okay. when I know. So I use the free version of Later because I have to. Right now, I'm like trying not to pay for every single service out there that I use because they all have premium versions. Wait, so, is that how you're supposed to do it? <laughs> I'm prioritizing. Like I have a paid StreamYard account because I need the recordings, <laughs> but I don't pay for my Later account yet. I just don't post enough with it yet. Um but I use it when I know that I'm not doing like a carousel post because with a free version, you don't have to, or you can just do like one picture versus the carousel, which you get with the premium version of later. So I use it when I know I just have a simple post that needs to go up that doesn't need a lot of extras added um, or tags or anything like that. So I used it today and Canva is so awesome. I've got to talk on that really quick because there's a lot of people who are always asking questions, like even in my Facebook group, like where do I get good pictures for my content that I'm posting? And everyone thinks you have to go to like a stock photo website and purchase individual photos. And unless you're like a a bigger brand that's looking for a very unique image, if you're just looking for simple, like if you're a startup business and you're just looking for some simple social media posts, just pay the $12.95 a month 
which is what I'm paying. I think that's the current rate, but just pay that for Canva and you have the pro library with all of those better images. If you use the free version of Canva, you're going to get the same pictures that everybody uses. But if you pay for the upgrade, you're not going to see them everywhere like you would with a free version of Canva. I'm trying to pretend like I'm not paying $12 a month for Canva just for my blog that I post on like twice a year, but it's fine. (laughs) (laughs) That is one of the best things, Mandy. And I've seen like I have a client who uses Shutterstock and I'll go there and then I'll go to Canva and I'm like, I'm seeing the same picture and I know how much they're paying. It's the same images. I don't know what if they're pulling from the same libraries, but it's literally the same and you're just paying the monthly subscription versus the per image price. I feel like if yeah. photographers are watching this, they might be hating us a little bit <laughs> for this conversation, but I mean, well, Canva works. Well, and there are some AHP members, like you mentioned the bigger brands, Mandy. There are some AHP members that have absolutely stunning pictures mm-hmm. um, and, and they have a stock photo library that you can buy from. And I'm talking like literally you go there and you look at the pictures and you're just drooling. Like they're just amazing. And you're going to pay more, but they're so worth it. And they're really, the websites are really well done. Um, so yes, that's one of my favorite things about Canva too, is like free stack photos that are great. That little quote that I posted the other day in the auditor room that everyone was like, oh my gosh, you draw this? Nope, that was Canva. It's fine. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> um, let's get a plug in here before you go on. Let's get a plug in for HP. Uh, it's, it is the 50th anniversary for HP now. And HP, we've been talking about it all night because we're partners with them now on this show. And it is a professional membership association that promotes excellence in equine media and encourages relationships and communication within the horse industry through education, networking, and more. You can go to AmericanHorsePubs.org. The three of us highly recommend AHP. If you're a professional photographer, if you're a podcaster, if you're a, a journalist of any kind, a freelancer, uh, if you're in social media, whatever you are that's kind of related around the media and the horse world, then it, you need to be a, a member of AHP. And the conferences are worth it. Uh, we might have a good time. Um, so uh, You might if you I, go out with Glenn and I. <laughs> 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 and Jamie, too, if you come next time. Yeah. yeah. Yes, Lexington. <laughs> And it's going to be in Lexington next year. I'm pumped. We had uh, we were we were in Dallas, and we might have gone out. We had to go for steak. We were in Dallas. We had the best dinner I think I've had in years in Dallas. It was wonderful. So, Jamie, they're crashing at your house, right? That's how it's. <laughs> yes, we're coming to your well, place. <laughs> well, I wish I was in Lexington, but I am driving. Okay, all right. <laughs> so, um, so HP American Horse Pubs dot org is where you find that. All right. Other Allie, do you have any that you recommend? Apps Sorry, can you say that again? A- a- apps that you use or following up with Jamie's? Um, Canva is huge. Definitely. That's like my main one. Um, I don't know. Besides uh, just like the barn manager app was a huge help for me last year. Um, that's like kind of the main ones actually. Okay. Mandy, do you have an- one you recommend? Um, I'm thinking there's definitely a lot that I use and I don't have my list in front of me. Canva later is a big one. What are some other ones that I'm using on a regular basis? I upgrade a lot of things like my Google email. So for someone who's like doing a lot of business email, I do really like the G suite, um, upgrade with Gmail. That gives me a lot of options that I wouldn't have with the free version. So that's been well worth paying for as well. The Facebook business creator one is also good. Yes. 
I'm going to throw one out here, too, that uh, everybody forgets about or nobody thinks about anymore if you're coming up, and that is a CRM. That's a client management program where you just keep track of who, who's who, their names, addresses, phone numbers, how you've uh, it, it has been used in the past for sales. Um, the problem with client CRMs is they're very complicated. Uh, you can get CRMs that it will take you 10 years to figure it out, and you're not going to be selling anything but trying to figure out your CRM, where it's supposed to be tracking everybody you're trying to sell. So I found one that works for me because it's super simple, and it's called lessannoyingcrm.com. And it is less annoying, and it's just the basics of what you need, where you can track notes, and uh, you can put in their name and address and all their, their contact stuff. But the cool part is it does integrate with Gmail, so I can have all the emails that I email out to my contacts go automatically over to the CRM and be put on their account. So it kind of automates all of that. You can do... I do all my tasks in there now, and it's cheap. It's not very expensive as a CRM program goes. So uh, if you're in small business, you need to start with a CRM program. Uh, it used to be called a Rolodex for all of us old people. Um, and I was really bad at putting little cards in the Rolodex, so they were all over the place. <clears throat> but now they're in my CRM. So less annoying CRM is one I do recommend. Well, that's awesome, because I've used one... Um it's, it's probably not a full CRM, but ClickUp has been really uh, instrumental with teams and task building and all of that. Um, the other one that I did want to mention really quick, it's called Jarvis, um, J-A-R-V-I-S. And for those, I hear this all the time when I get clients on the phone or potential clients. They're like, I just don't write well. They're like, I don't, I don't, how do I create long form content or a blog? I don't write well. Jarvis is your new best friend. I think it's like 30 bucks a month. I don't know which plan I have. They have like advanced plans that I'll probably bump myself up to. But here's the beauty. You literally can write something out the way you would write it, you know, just your regular writing skill set. And then you copy and paste it into Jarvis. And Jarvis will give you like three to five um, sets of captions, if you will, that are way better than how you just wrote it. So I tend to write well, that's a skill of mine, but there are some things I'm not great at, but Jarvis, I'll even take what I write and put it in there. And I'm like, Whoa, that sounds way better. <laughs> so it's definitely, they don't, I don't think they have a free version, but it is one of those things. It's really, really powerful. And it's wow, really kind of fun that. to see. Yeah. I had, I actually just heard of it about six months ago and I started playing around with it and I was like, Ooh, this is going to be dangerous. Cause I want to like level up to like their I don't know. They have one that's probably like 150 or 200 a month. And I was like, oh, it's so worth it. But I don't want to pay the money either, you know, but it is. It's really cool. Sounds magical. I suck at writing. So this sounds like I wrote that one down. <laughs> it's just like... Yeah, I'm going to look it's... that one up, too. I've never heard of them, but I do a lot of like blogging, too. And sometimes I just sit here like, I know there's a better way to say this, but I'm coming up blank. <laughs> that's well, kind of cool. It, it, that one, I think also Grammarly, it's not the same thing, obviously, but um, Grammarly, you can set it up if you get like their pro version. I think it's like 60 bucks a year. Don't quote me, but somewhere around that it's not too much. Um, but I think Grammarly has a setting now where you can, if there's like a phrase that you're maybe saying the same thing over and over, like in a blog, it'll, it'll say instead, maybe say it this way. So that's also helpful too. And the other thing with Jarvis is you can tell it what you're doing. You can say, I'm writing a blog or I'm writing a caption, or I'm writing a tweet, and you can tell it, like, I want to be joyful, or playful, or serious, 
So you can pick the tone. It's like total insanity. Like you nerd college. <laughs> right? Like I nerd out with that stuff. I'm like, woo, so cool. <laughs> I, I always thought I tried Grammarly and I always felt like it was judging me and uh, really scolding me like a teacher would in like it second is. grade. It's very judgy. Like I actually you used that word like six times in a row, so you're gonna have to stop. <laughs> I just thought it was judgy. I'm gonna. I, I will try Jarvis though. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's awesome. That's funny. That's funny. All right, let's go. Let's wrap up this uh, episode of the roundtable real quick. Jamie, where can they find you? Yellowbarnmedia.com, and all and- my social channels are yellowbarnmedia, with the exception of Instagram. On Instagram, I'm equestrian professional. And are you taking new clients? Yes, sir. I am. And what kind of clients I'm, do you want? Um, well, I, I will be honest. I obviously love the horse industry. And within the horse industry, there's a bunch of niches. And so for me, I have found that I have done really, really well the last couple of years with retail. And it's not to say that I haven't worked with other like service providers or things of that nature, but retail has been really good. I will be launching this month. Um, I have a v- VIP days. So if someone says, I, I want to get like a marketing automation set up, or I need to get six months of emails, something along those lines, if you have a task that's been hanging out there that you have not been able to get done and you need someone to help help you get it done, uh, I'll be launching those here this month. So, Very good. Sounds good. Mandy? Yeah, my website is theleadlinepodcast.com. And we also have a really engaging Facebook group for horse business owners. And that's the Leadline community. Leadline is one word if you're searching for it on Facebook. And we do a lot of uh, a lot of networking, you know, beyond the education part. I also host virtual networking events once a month. We do um, meetups. And I will also be hosting our very first live networking event at Equine Affair next month. So I'm super excited about that one. Yay. Good. And Allie, find you on Facebook? Is that the easiest way? Um, yeah, I Instagram and Facebook. Uh, it's actually autoimmune equestrian um, on both of those. Uh, that's my the blog I aforementioned that I post on twice a year. But yeah. Great. And so the blog is autoimmune equestrian? Yeah. Is that health related? Yes, I have, I have autoimmune disease. Um, and that's kind of just talking about that and managing that while having a horse life somehow. <laughs> Well, this has been an interesting year for you then with an autoimmune disease. Oh, yes. I am yeah. now triple vaccinated. Everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine having chronic Lyme is bad enough, and I can't imagine a full-blown autoimmune disease. That's That's got to suck. Well, you look great. Well, thanks. <laughs> and thank you for listening. Let's give a plug for auditors, too. Uh, auditors are super fans at the Horse Radio Network. If you want to be in one of the most engaging, positive Facebook groups, in the whole of Facebook, uh, the auditor room is definitely that. Would you agree with that, Allie? Definitely. It's one of the more positive and non-troll-filled groups that I am part of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know that there's any in there. And Mandy, you're in that group, too, actually. So I am. Yeah, it's a good yeah. group. It, it is a community. I mean, they talk about everything in there, from divorces to horses. I mean, uh, that's how I say it when I'm doing speeches. Uh, I say, yep, they talk about everything div- from divorces to horses. Uh, but that's really what makes it a community, and we're very fortunate to have the community we do at the Horse Radio Network. And also at American Horse Publications. Thanks you to Chris and everybody over there, AmericanHorsePubs.org. Also, thank you to our title sponsor, Purina. Uh, we appreciate them. They've been with us, and we've 
been with them for years and years and years. So thank you, Purina. Everybody say goodbye. Thanks. Have a great night, everybody. Bye. Thanks, Glenn. Bye.